morning, church. Can we clap our hands one more time for all that God is doing in Italy and all over the, all of our campuses? We want to welcome you, whether you're watching here in person or online. I uh, just want to say welcome so much, or welcome to church. We're so glad that you are here. And I do want to kind of reiterate what we just saw on that uh, legacy update. You know, God's hand is on our church. Come on, does anybody believe it? All you got to do is look around and see that what was happening is not normal. And, you know, my name is Tanner. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, I'm the next-gen pastor here. And, you know, I say that because Pastor Joe and Lori, they're not here because they're actually at our Leander Liberty Hill campus, which is launching today. Come on, let's give it up for that. There's thousands that are meeting there today, right now, and we are just in an amazing time in our church. Man, what a privilege it is to serve God in this time in this church. And, you know, there's a lot of reports and things out there that say that the church is in decline, but then you just come here and you're like, well, I don't see that before my eyes, you know. God is moving, and we get to be a part of it. And I'm so, so, so excited I do have one announcement for you before we get started, and that is this Wednesday. Uh, I do want to just remind all of our middle school, high school, and college students, come on, we got the first wave night of this semester. It's back this Wednesday. And so if you are middle school, high school, college age, we just want to invite you out um, Wednesday starting at 6.30. It's going to be a ton of fun. You're going to meet a lot of new friends, and most importantly, God always moves in a special, unique way uh, here at Wave Night. So I want to invite you out to that as well. We're in the middle of an amazing sermon series called Unbreakable, and each and every week has just been building on the last, and today I get an awesome chance to uh, talk about something that is fitting for this season of our church, and that is an unbreakable church. This is something that I'm really, really passionate about. It's something that we're seeing that's happening in our church, and it's something that we must believe in our heart of hearts is that God's church is unbreakable. Because if you look around, if you look at social media, if you look at the news, it would be easy to think that the church is breaking down. It'd be easy to think that, oh, you can, the morals, the ethics, the uh, different things that are happening in our world today are really signs that the church of Jesus is breaking down. And today, I want to convince you else, I want to convince you that it's not breaking down, but it's actually Jesus is building it up. And I want to just set a foundation before we jump into the scripture today. And that's the reason that we have an unbreakable church is very simple. It's because we serve an unbreakable God. It's because it's his church, it's not ours. Come on, if it was your church, it'd be broken already. Matthew 16, we're not going to have it on the screen, but it says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. So before that we even go any farther in this message, we need to set that as a ground rule that we don't believe that the church is broken because Jesus is whole. We don't believe that the church is breaking down and that it doesn't have the power that it has always had in people's lives. Why? Because Jesus is still just as strong as ever. So today's message is not going to be about that. It's going to be about what is your part to play in the church? You as a congregate of celebration, you as a person who's alive in this time and in this generation with all of these issues that we have going on in the world, what is your part to play? I want if you go with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is 
Peter writing to the first generation church. And if you want to talk about breaking down, there was a lot of reasons that the first generation church would have been breaking down. Uh, Mass persecution, uh, they didn't have the numbers. Uh, Really, the amount of people who were against them was way more than the people who were for them. And Peter is writing to encourage the church about how to be unbreakable. And he lands and he says this in chapter two. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people uh, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I want to read it again because this is one of those scriptures, if you've heard it before, it's easy to view it as a list. It's easy to read past it. But what I want us to do is I want us now to place ourselves inside of this and pretend that Peter is writing to us, the church today. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, is anybody in the marvelous light of Christ this morning? He's called you out of darkness, he's saved your life. And so this is our identity as the church. And my hope is that by the end of our time together, we can not only know and believe this, but we can begin to work this identity out in the world around us so that we can see more and more people come to know Jesus. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you for the amazing opportunity that it is to be your church. God, thank you that you chose us. God, thank you that you saved us. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die for us, to be your church. So God, today we accept that responsibility. We say thank you for the privilege that it is to be counted as yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So if we're gonna be an unbreakable church, we first have to understand what is the church? The church is called many things. It's called the bride of Christ. You know, the list goes on and on. But today I wanna focus on the church being the body of Christ. The body of Christ, which is really interesting because you know, when we think of church, we think of maybe the building or the Sunday service or something that you may attend or that you see in a city square somewhere. But it's way deeper than that and also it's way more personal than that. You know, the church of Jesus, the church at large, the big C, as you may call it, church, is three parts. It's global, it's local, but it's also personal. And we have to understand this because the church at globally is our opportunity to, 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 to be a part of something much greater than ourselves. You know, there are people in Europe that are meeting right now, our campus in Italy like you just saw, or our campuses in Mozambique. Or there's other people in China who maybe have to meet underground today. But we're all the same church at large. But then there's the local church, which is where you are right now. It's the local community, the body of believers that you get to say that you are a part of, that we do life with, and that we get to make a difference in our city with. But then lastly, the church is personal, which means that you are the church. I want you to hear me. You are the church. And maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard that statement before. But I want to bring it to a little bit of a deeper level today. And it's that it's not just you are this generic church. But no, you are the body 
of Christ. And you know, the global and the local church is really only as good as its personal parts. So today, I want you to realize that your relationship with God is a part of a much bigger story than just you. That your relationship with God is much greater than just a quiet time in the morning or, a, or a, maybe a prayer, but you actually have a part to play in this grand vision that God has to show himself to the world. I saw um, on Instagram this weekend, there was this uh, lady and her son or her daughter, and they were sitting on the couch, you know, just scrolling through TikTok or something. And the daughter of the woman, it says on the caption, um, only in Ohio, okay? And the girl goes, Mom, they saw him. Somebody saw Jesus. And so she, this lady, she, where, where? You know, she begins to cry and she begins to be like, no, where? You have to send it to me. And the daughter goes, they saw him in Ohio. And the mom's like, oh, no, you have to send it to me. She's like having an entire moment about they're seeing Jesus in Ohio. And as she, as she begins to cry and cry, the daughter's like, you know, I'm just kidding. And then that didn't go over very well for the daughter. But I just have a newsflash for you. Jesus is not in Ohio, okay? The Bible is very clear that when Jesus ascended, he ascended to the Father. And that's where he is right now. He is sitting in at right hand of God in heaven, in the throne of God, you know. And I don't know if he was going to come back. I don't know if Ohio is the best. I don't know. I don't know where he would pick. But I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because if Jesus isn't in Ohio, how, is he the, how are we the body of Christ? <laughs> Great transition, Tanner. All right, fantastic. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one has many members, but it has many parts, forms one body, okay? So just as a body has different parts, it forms one. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized into one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we have all been given the spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then we go down to verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, and individually members of it. And you know, the key to this verse is not necessarily just about the body, but it's about what's in between, which is the spirit. You know, the spirit of God is what binds us all together. Because if Jesus is not in Ohio, where is he? Okay, he's in heaven. So how are we the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ because we all have the spirit of Jesus. The Bible tells us that when you say yes to Jesus, when you come to faith, what actually happens is that you are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You know, that is an easy thing to maybe hear in our ears, but it is a really hard thing to believe in our hearts. Because if we truly understand what it meant to have the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, fill us, I think, I know for me, it might change some things. That God would not only give his salvation to me, but come on, he would trust me to represent him. 
Well, who knows, it's one thing to just give somebody something to somebody. It is a complete another thing to trust somebody to represent you on your behalf. You know, that gets a lot of us in trouble, doesn't it? It's like at work, you know, you say one thing to somebody, and then they go say something to somebody, and then they say something to somebody, and the next thing you know, you said something that you didn't say. It happens with our families, too. You know, well, did you hear about this? Or did you hear about that? And then it all ends up like the game of telephone where it just keeps going and going. And, you know, Jesus, you know, he didn't do it. Like, what he did is he trusted you. He put his spirit in you. And that's so important for us to understand because that leads us to two things. Number one, it, it should lead us to being in complete awe that the holy God of the universe would trust us with his spirit. It's like putting champagne in a trash can. <laughs> the laughs are from front to back. It's, it's happening. It's true though, isn't it? We're all so aware of ourselves. You know, one thing I love is that the more you read people, the older, the, like the closer that the people were to Jesus, like if you begin to read some of these people who were writing in the first century of the church and that were apostles, like, like Paul. Let's talk about Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. What he said is, I am the worst of sinners. And you just realize that all of these people, like the closer they got to Jesus, the more they realized their own depravity. And that's how we are too. It's like the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize, wow, I am fallen. I cannot believe that a holy God would trust me. But it's his love that trusts. It's his love that fills us. And it's his love that allows us to be his body in the world. And that leads us to our second perspective, which is that we have to feel awe. But then secondly is we must take responsibility for the privilege that it is to be filled with the spirit of God. That it's nobody else's responsibility to steward the spirit of God for your life except us. And you know, Satan can't break God. He tried and he failed miserably. So what he wants to do is he wants to try to break you. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about if he can break you, then he can pervert the image of God in the world. And, you know, one of the ways that he wants to break you is maybe not through trials or tribulations or, or massive things that happens. But what if he just broke you by, not, by convincing you that the spirit of God in you isn't as important as it actually is? And I think maybe all of us, no matter if we've been a saint for decades or whether we got saved yesterday, I think we could all say that there's a little bit more that we could realize in our humility the responsibility that it is to carry the name of Jesus. I want to tell you, the greatest thing that you could ever give the world is a thriving, spiritual, Jesus-loving life. The greatest thing that you could give your kids is a thriving, spiritual, Jesus-loving life. The greatest thing that you could give the people that work for you or that you work for is your love for Jesus. Why? Because it is in that moment that you obtain and that you take on the very person of Jesus in every situation that you walk in. When you realize, I've been filled with the Spirit and it is my responsibility to steward, guess what? You walk into that meeting differently. You walk into that situation differently. You walk into that marriage, those friendships differently. Why? Because they are no longer yours. They're God's. 
they're now our responsibility to steward. Because if we are the body of Christ, then we are now defining who Christ is for the people around us. Come on, I don't like that. I just said that. I did not like that. Because that's responsibility that takes a lot to carry. To understand that everywhere that we go, we are the body of Christ. So how do you represent him well? I want to go back to our verse that we read earlier, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, your chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to dial in a little bit on this second thing in the list, which says that you are a royal priesthood. Because the priesthood that they would have been talking about in the scriptures is different than when you and I think of a priest. You know, theirs was a whole lineage and generation of people who were priests, and there was different matters of duties and different things that they had to be and things that they could do, things that they could not do, uh, all because they were a priest. And Peter, who was well acquainted as a Jew with this priesthood, is now saying, no matter slave or free or Jew or Gentile, you are a royal priest. And that's really uh, interesting for us because then we have to take on the responsibilities and the duties of the priest. And, you know, what I'm a little bit nervous about, I know for myself and the generation of the next generation, is that we have created a generation of church goers of the church that are consumers but are not consumed by Jesus. And that they come to church to consume but not come to church to be a royal priest. Let me explain it uh, like this. I've been on uh, the carnivore diet for three weeks. My staff is like, please do not talk about this. I'm so tired of hearing about this. I have the microphone, you don't, so I'll say whatever I want. Fantastic. And... Uh, the reason I started the carnivore diet was, which is, if you don't know what it is, it's pretty much you eat meat and eggs and butter and cheese. It's all the best things in the world. I highly recommend it. <laughs> but my wife and I, about three weeks ago, were walking into a restaurant, and I was holding my son's hand, and my wife, I didn't know she was walking behind us, and she snapped a picture of us. And who knows, the behind angle is not the best angle. And so she posted on Instagram, tags me, and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And so I go look at it, and it was a very sweet photo, but there was parts of my midsection to not be crass love handles, but they were protruding. You know what I mean? Like, you can just kind of see them poking through a little bit of the T-shirt that I was wearing. And I didn't like that very much. Um, this summer, I guess, was a great summer. <laughs> a lot of yummy food. <laughs> and so I saw that photo and I was like, all right, I got to do something about this. So I started a carnivore diet and honestly, I, I love it. I love it. It's been awesome. The first week was really hard because whenever you like go, like we go to P. Terry's or another burger place, Wendy's, McDonald's, it's like where you normally would order burger and fries. You know, now you have to order like patties with cheese and then you eat it, you know, like a rat in your car. But besides that, um, <laughs> The hardest thing was really beginning to change the way that you think about eating. You know what I mean? When you tell people that you're only eating meat, they're like, what's, what's wrong with you? You know, you don't eat vegetables? And you're like, not now. I don't now. And so the first week was really hard, if I'm being completely honest. 
The second week, you know, I began to see a little bit of progress, and that was nice. So it became a little bit easier. And the way my rhythms and patterns uh, began to get easier. But then the third week, so this is the last day of the third week. And I tell you, I love it. It's awesome. Like, I honestly, last night, um, we had a party for the Alabama game, which I am an Alabama fan. I don't need your, I don't need all this. I almost didn't even say it. I didn't even want to say it. But they can't see you on the camera, but everybody's throwing the sign of the devil up at me right now. It's fine. But we had a party last night, and there was like brisket queso and cupcakes and, you know, all the best things in this life. And and I was just, I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm just going to go for it. just ate whatever I wanted last night. And I woke up this morning in pain. And you know what I realized? It's like, I didn't even really want to eat all those things anymore. It's like, I actually love doing the carnivore diet. I love not only the results, but I love how I feel. I have a lot of energy um, and different things like the more cognitive focus. But why am I even telling you this? It's because at the beginning, it was because I wanted to consume progress. Do you hear me? I needed to, to be consumed by, I, I wanted to consume weight loss or whatever it may be, but then it's like three weeks into it, beginning to form new habits, I'm now consumed by it. I love it. It's what I want to do. It's now who I am. You know, as the church, it is, we all start as consumers. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all need to be consumers of God's grace. We all need to be consumers of his salvation. And he meets us exactly where we are, no matter of our past or our sin or whatever we've done. And he saves us. And it's amazing. And you say yes to Jesus and your life gets flipped upside down. And you begin to change the way that you think. And you begin to change the way that you are. And it's just like you are so excited and happy. Anytime the doors are open of the church, you're there. You're a consumer, but there comes a point in your relationship with God where you have to flip from being consumer to be consumed by Jesus. What's the difference? The difference is that a consumer says, God, what can you give me? And the consumed says, God, what can I give you? It's easy to be a consumer because it all revolves around us. And that's the world that we live in. It's everything on our phones and it's everything that we see online or advertisements or even curated so that we would be better consumers. But it's harder to be consumed by something. Why? Because it means that you're the one that has to change. This is where we have to start. And if we talk about what it means to be a royal priest, I want to talk about the responsibilities And the duties that come with being a royal priest. Because if you are a consumer, you can't accomplish those things. Because you're always focused on what you can get. Actually, I want to explain a little bit farther like this. You see up here, there's a mirror and then there's a window. You know, when you're a consumer, you come to church and it's like you're standing in front of a mirror. When you're first there, your only focus is yourself. You come into the house of God and you look into the mirror of who God is. The Bible even talks about this. It says in James that the word of God is like a mirror. And so it's not a, it's a bad thing. It's a great place to start. But what I want to say is that it's not a great place to finish. 
Because what happens is that when we look into God's house, when we have the perspective of consumer when it comes to God's house, what ends up happening is the worship becomes about me. The word of God becomes about me. Come on, they ran out of breakfast tacos at the blend. That's now about me. My parking spot that I always get here 30 minutes early for wasn't available, right? It's all about me. That new couple with the crying baby is right behind me. It's all about me. You hear me? Because what, here's what ends up happening. is When you come into the house of God with a consumer mindset, it ultimately leads to offense. The end of consumerism is offense. Do you want to know why people are leaving the faith, why people are deconstructing from their faith? It's because we created an entire generation of consumers that were more in love with the product than they were with God. What happens is that the product lets you down. Why? Because the church is made of people. You know, the church would be perfect if you weren't here. So you've been hurt by the church, welcome to the club. Church hurt is a very new phrase. It's a very, like the church, people have always been getting hurt by people in the church, but the term, I don't know if you've heard that term, church hurt, is actually a very new phrase. But a lot of it has to do with people who get church hurt or people who grew up in consumer-minded churches. Because what ends up happening is they go through things like the pandemic or they go through things like loss or they go through things that happen to them in their life, and what happens is the place that always gave them what they needed ends up letting them down. And people that get discipled by movements instead of God end up rejecting God because the movement fails them. And it is our desire here as a church for that not to happen. As much of a move of God that we are a part of, our desire as a church is not that you would be discipled into Celebration Church. Our heart is that you would be discipled into Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the solid rock that will not fail you. He is your firm foundation. The Bible says that he is a strong tower that you can run to him and find rest. You can hide in him. So if that's the consumer mindset, what does it mean to be consumed by Jesus? Is it's like this window. When you come to the house of God, I'm trying to put language around maybe your perspective today is that when you come into the house of God, it's not all about you. It's actually about what is beyond you. So when you come to the house of God, it's not about, God, what is happening in my situation right now? It's, God, what is on the other side of reality that I cannot see? Instead of coming to the house of God and saying, what is happening to me is my ultimate truth. No, God, show me the perspective of what is actually true. God, give me the greater perspective. Let me see beyond my circumstance. Let me see beyond what's happening in the world. Why? Because when you see beyond, that's when you begin to live in the abundant life. That no matter what wind and what storms come your way, you can say, I have joy and peace in Christ. Why? Because you come in consumed by Jesus and you're living in the reality of the kingdom of God that is beyond what you can see. We have to be consumed by him. So how do you know if you're consumed? Is your focus on getting or giving? Is it getting a word from God or is it giving my best to God? Is it 
you know, in worship, the AC hits you just right and the keys player just does that little thing. Get the chills. You're like, I just got the God goosebumps. I knew he was real. I was questioning until this very moment. We have to shift our perspective from what do we get from God to what can we give to God. And I want to tell you three things that we need to do if we're going to change from this consumed my, consumer mindset to a consumed mindset. And these are all the priestly duties. I don't have time to go into all of those. I recommend you doing a study of 1 Peter 2.9 for yourself. But the first thing that we need to do is we have to bring our best. Every Sunday when you step into the house of God, I highly encourage you, bring your best. Bring your best in how you approach, bring your best in your attitude, bring your best in your perspective, bring your best in the expectation that you have. Let me ask you this, what is your posture with church? Is it come in, slide in the back? Sorry, back row people. <laughs> come on, is it come in, slide in, slide out, get here late, leave early? Or is it get here early and leave late? Is it get here expectant, showing up with my notebook or my phone or, or whatever, just not waiting for what God has to speak to me through his word today? You know, in Samuel uh, chapter 24, this is King David, and he says somebody offers him a piece of property for free. And this is his response. He says, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. Why? I will not give burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. What does it cost you to come to church? It only costs us when we bring our very best. You know, we all have lives and we all have families and we all have different dynamics in our marriages and our, in our work and everything that goes on. But here's the facts is that you only really can get what God wants you to get unless you give what God wants you to give. And that is your very best. Why? Because he gave his very best for us. So practically, what does that mean? That means if God wants me to give, I'll give. If God wants me to tithe, I'll tithe. If that means God wants me to serve, I'll serve. If I'm here and I'm distracted by what's happening on my phone, guess what? I am leaving the phone in the car. Come on, I don't like the song. Come on, it's not about me anyways. Come on, I don't know why they let that preacher up there. Come on, God's word is greater than any preacher. We have to bring our best to God. Number two. We have to commit to community. We have to commit to community. Come on, it is one thing to attend a service. It is a different to build your community around the church. It's easy to commit to your family. Come on, you're stuck with them. It is not easy to build a community of believers in your life. Why? Because the busyness of life just happens to us. The busyness of life and we end up just attaching ourselves with whoever we're doing life with, you know, at our work or, or you know, at the kids' baseball games or, or whatever it may be. But the Bible calls us higher than that. Because if we are consumers, then the church is just a show that we come to attend. 
But if the church, if we are consumed by Jesus, then we have to do what Jesus did, which planted his roots in his community around it. You know, in Acts chapter 2, it tells us this. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. That wasn't physically. That wasn't in how they looked. That wasn't in their socioeconomic status. They were beginning from all over the world is where the first generation church was. But it says they sold their property and their possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This is the type of community that the Bible is telling us to build if we're truly gonna be the body of Christ in the world. Why? Because this is so countercultural to the community of the world. Because the community of the world is all about what we can give to get from each other, different statuses, different things that maybe we can move us forward in our career, or we have baseline, shallow relationships built off of an online relationship with people, or you know, we get to know people online because of like, oh, I went to high school with them. Oh, did you hear that Sally had her fourth baby? It's like, what? God is calling us to build deeply rooted community. I wanna give you three things of how to build a godly community. Number one is it's unified by your love for God. Your love for God, not just common interest, but love for God. Let me ask you this, are the people around you discipling you closer to Jesus? Because the community that you're around is discipling you. They're discipling you either in the spirit of the world or in the spirit of God. There's really no options. There's no lone rangers. We're either in the river flowing with the way of our community into the spirit of the world, or we are in the river flowing in the community in the spirit of God. And we have to have our community defined and unified by our love for God first. Number two is a godly community gives freely of their resources to one another. This is the church. We give why? Because people are in need and we take care of the family of God first. Did you know that that's actually the principle of the tithe? Even greater than taking care of everyone who needs help in the world and taking care of the poor, which is our responsibility. It's to give to the house of God so that the people of God's needs may be met. So we have to give freely of our resources. And lastly, a godly community shares their life with one another. There's a funny... Uh, a joke that says that a guy and his best friend talked on the phone and one guy says to the other, he says, how's your job? And also, what is it? <laughs> like, you know, are any guys like that in relationships? I remember one time I played golf with a guy and Abby, I get home, my wife, Abby, she goes, hey, did you guys have a good time golfing? She had a real serious look on her face. And I said, yeah, it was, it was awesome. She goes, well, what did y'all talk about? And I was like, golf. What else do you talk, what else do you talk about? And she goes, well, did he tell you that his dad died last week? And I was like, no, what? And uh, that's serious, but come on, guys, you know that that's true. Guys sit around, sit around and they talk about whatever's happening in that very moment. You know, the football game's on, oh, yeah, we're looking pretty good this year. Come on, we have to be committed to the community that God has placed in our life. We have to share our lives with one another. James 5, 16 says that we have to confess our sins to one another. Why? So that way we may be healed. And then it says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let me ask you this. Is there confession in prayer in your relationships? I know it's challenging for me, but if we're going to be the body of Christ, 
The community of God will be one of the greatest ways that you can show it to the world around you. Because then what happens is you take the people who don't know Jesus, you plug them into your community, and guess what? They get suffocated by the gospel, and then they have to give their life to Christ. The last thing is we have to play our part. We have to play our part. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For just as each one of us was the body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to the other. What makes a good team? It's not superstars. It's everybody playing their part. So without you playing your part, we are missing a part of the body of Christ. You know, that's why we have connection point. That's why we have opportunities to serve. That's why we have different teams that you can jump on. It's not just because we need volunteers. It's because we wanna give you an opportunity to play your part. And if we're truly gonna bring our best and be the body of Christ, we all have to play our part. If you don't know how, just start somewhere. It's much easier to move, to shift the direction of something that's moving than something that's standing still. Come on, a lot of the times we just gotta give God something to work with. And here's what happens. Is that if we bring our best, if we commit to community, if we play our part, we will go from a consumer-driven, all about me, to a consumed by Jesus, raging fire. And if you begin to play your part, I'm telling you, watch God turn your life upside down. Watch your perspective change and watch the unbreakable God build an unbreakable church. Come on, let's all bow our heads right where we are today. If you're in here today and you said, I've come into church with a consumer mindset. Consumerism has gone beyond shopping and beyond restaurants and beyond into your spiritual life. And you've come into church and it's been all about you and been all about maybe becoming a good person or all about what does God just want to give me. And today you want to commit to changing your perspective and to going from God, instead of what can you give me, God, what can I give to you? And today you're saying, God, I want to bring you my best. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up all over the room? You say, I want to give God my best. I'm tired of being a consumer, and I want to be consumed by Jesus. Amazing. And then there's some of us that are in this room where you've never been consumed by Jesus because you've never met Jesus. Jesus to you is not somebody that you would be consumed by. He is a religious figure, or he's just, you know, my parents' faith, or my, the, the generation that I grew up in, I just always was kind of a Christian. I want to tell you today, Jesus wants to make himself very real to you. You are here on purpose in the church because Jesus wants to meet you right where you are today. And today you feel God pricking your heart. You feel him drawing you, you, you to him. You feel maybe that conviction that we talked about of God, why would you love me? But today God's love is reaching out to you. His grace is reaching out to you. The work of the cross is reaching out to your heart and he wants to change your life and he wants to save you from your sin. And today you wanna give your life to Jesus. I just want you to shoot your hand up when I count to three and just make a commitment to him. It's just not a sign to me, but a sign to him. Say, God, I'm going all in with you. I receive your salvation today. One, two, three three. Just shoot your hand up. Hands going up everywhere. Amazing. Amazing. Come on, can we all stand to our feet? I want to pray. I want to pray for those who just raised their hands. I want to pray for us 
to be, have a new fire lit on the inside of us, to be the church of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. Come on, if you feel comfortable, would you just open yourself to God right there with a sign? Come on, let's all pray this out loud together. Jesus, I give you my life today. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. But God, thank you for filling me. Thank you for trusting me. Today, I give myself to you and I commit to bringing you my best and to being the church everywhere that I go. In Jesus' name.